What's up, fitties? It's Matt Whitmore here, one half of Fitter Food. It's Fitter Food Radio, episode number 94. And of course, I'm here with Keris Marsden. Thank How you. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. I can't even think of a way to come back to that. <laughs> you don't need anything. You don't need anything. Let's get into it. Um, so, guys, episode 94, we are fastly, fastly approaching. Fastly. That made no sense at all. As soon as I said it, I was like, that's wrong. I Do you find, actually, this is a really interesting thing that um, uh, a food critic was saying about how, because we use emojis now, yeah. and we use text speak, and we do video and, and stuff more, and communicate via different means. We're kind of forgetting words, like we're forgetting how to use, we're forgetting the English language is what he said, essentially. Well, I think as well, like, you know, with texting and stuff, and you get like predictive text, and yeah, so you get lazy about spelling. Yeah, and... well, even my handwriting, I've noticed like my handwriting's got worse. <laughs> Progressed to like two because years because I, I rarely actually <laughs> write. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's weird. I remember I used to get like a prizes at school for having such good handwriting, and now Did you? yeah, your handwriting is nice actually. When That's I make the right. effort, when I write yeah. cards and stuff, yeah, for you. Yeah, you know, it takes about twenty minutes now to write. Everyone to, out there to write a birthday card. Everyone out there's got an image of you like sticking your tongue out when <laughs> you're, you're concentrating. Yeah. <laughs> Dear <laughs> trying to join up your letters. Um, so, shall we get into this? Yep. So, Keris has been off learning uh, again. Yeah, yeah. I, I rarely see the girl these days. But it's conference season. Which conferences, seminars, really lectures. She loves it. Well, you know, it's really, it is really exciting. So I, I learn through, like, you. It's great because Keris goes off and learns it all and then she comes back and explains it to me in, in ways that I understand it a bit better. Yeah, basically. Most of I, the time. I relate it all to training, basically. If we, if we like, the other <laughs> night... we do this, you'll get bigger we, and stronger. We, we went for a date, a date night. My mum had Hamish... And uh, it was like after Keris had been for for a, on a conference. Oh God, that was heavy. That was so. That was our date discussion. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to. Ta- I thought you were going to give everyone some takeaways that you actually took on board from the. No, no. I'm just. I was just saying. <laughs> yeah. our, like you know, like our, our date. Our date night became. Um, Talk about fungal. <laughs> fungal yeast, yeast growth. <laughs> you know all the all the stuff that you you, you just want to talk about on a, <laughs> on a date <laughs> on a date night. I am. No. No, I'm now an undateable. I know you're not. Because I've got no, nothing interesting not. to talk about, but... No, no, I don't want to say I wasn't interested. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just putting it out there that, you know... Can I just say, though, so that the day that that, you're to- that Matt is talking about, I did a whole... Oh, God, it was... must have been nearly seven hours on a test called organic acids, which I use a lot, and I get some really good stuff out of it, but this woman was another level in what, like, like the biochemistry that she'll use or what she's kind of interpreting from it about your gut your neurotransmitters, so for things like depression, you know, serotonin, dopamine, um, for addiction, for cravings, for nutrient deficiencies. And it's the first time I've sat there and listened to somebody talk through in so much detail. And like, I was on like four or five coffees. I was with another nutritionist. She's awesome. She's been in the game for way longer than me. And she was like, whoa, like this is really heavy. Um, But what was interesting is the way that this girl she was about my age, but the way that she learned about, you know, we talk about SNPs, so single nu- nucleotide genetic polymorphism. Yeah, is, oh yeah, talk about all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the, the genetic mutations that are affecting various different things like raised needs for nutrients, whether you're a good veggie, detoxification. So to really kind of nail it, it's so complicated. She listened to something, it's like an eight-hour lecture by, there's a man called Ben Lynch who does methylation. Right. And she listened to something like eight hours worth of his talks. 
And then she basically edited it in uh, iMovie down to the point she needed to know to really understand methylation and how it affects her clients. And then she paid it relentlessly for three days in her house, in the shower, in the bath. So it almost become like a... Like, like White noise. <laughs> subliminal messaging yeah, basically, all the time. all the time. Wow. Isn't that dedication for you? Like, I mean, yeah. I'm dedicated. I, I, I work my heart off at this stuff, but even I was like, wow. Like, so more than anything, like, I was just in awe of this girl because I called her a girl. She was, she looked about my age. She looked so young, like, and, and is just so determined to get her head around um, all of this. She actually started out as a, a GAPS practitioner, which is the, the GAPS diet is the gut and psychology uh-huh. syndrome. And they do a lot of kind of uh, like almost like a paleo autoimmune bone broth diet to heal the gut and address things like autism and ADHD. And she started off there and then just gone on this huge journey to be like just this expert at basically kind of genetic snips and and, and, and testing. It was amazing. You're amazing. No, that, but this is the thing. You think that, but but when you go out there and, well, you know, you see some people like they've just devoted their lives to this stuff. It's really, it's inspiring. I'm not sure, you know, she'd be great, great date, date company yeah. <laughs> in that sense. Because she probably, like, just speaks in snips. I don't know. Like, well, she probably just keeps, like, reciting, like, phrases from that iMovie clip that she, <laughs> that she put together that was, like, three days long. But to be fair, she was a good lecturer. She was entertaining. Although, I told you this, there was a woman on the front row. So there's always one <laughs> who nodded off. And she did that thing where, you know, your head goes back, but then your mouth falls open. Yeah. Proper catching flies. And, like, bless her, because for, like, the last hour, that was what what I was just finding the most entertaining thing, because she'd, like, wake herself up every now and then by a jaw just falling so wide. (laughs) She was like, yeah. And then she'd, like, jolt awake. And the speaker blatantly had noticed this going on. And, like, bless her for not even at any point acknowledging it, because... I was lecturing once and someone fell asleep. Should have tried like, to throw like a Malteser in her mouth or something. <laughs> yeah, basically. That would have been funny. <laughs> Film it, put it on YouTube. That could have made a fortune off of that. <laughs> it's a nutrition conference, so it'd have to be a Brussels sprout. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a choking hazard there. But anyway, 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 anyway. I digress, I digress. Um, but, um, well, that was that was the course you went on. Like you say, it's conference season. But yes. you've been doing a lot of... Um, Learning from home and stuff. Well, yeah, I'm doing an online biochemistry course as well to try and up my um, knowledge of kind of metabolic processes and, again, just so I can help clients a little bit more. As if you weren't busy enough, you know. No, I love it, though. You do, you do. I'd honestly go and do... And I love that you love it. If I had had the time, I'd go and do a master's in it, but then it's like, you know, you've got to set aside lecture time. I've even been looking online. I need to... My dad's having a go at me. He's like, stop getting qualifications and stop... Yeah. Baby, like you've got a job, <laughs> like, which is true. You can't learn all the time. <laughs> Just pay me to learn, someone. I'll That'd tell you cool, all the it? important stuff you need to know. But, but to be fair, because of what we do, so the stuff I'm doing about metabolism is fascinating from a performance perspective because it's just energy regulation in the body and when it goes wrong. And it's about how an, a basic thing like anemia, so you think of anemia as iron deficiency, but it could be B12, it could be folate. Related anemia, B6 deficiency, zinc deficiency, vitamin C deficiency will create an anemia which will affect your oxygen delivery to the cell, which will affect your ability to burn fats and carbs. And I think because our industry is so obsessed with macros, it drives me mad because I see a whole host of people where, you know, the macros and the calories is not working. And one of the reasons is actually the micronutrients. Mm. And it's a message that me and you are trying to get across on Facebook. It's just 
not maybe as sexy as, you know, if it fits your micros, maybe is our next uh, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag campaign. I'm that's, not sure. That's, that's the next week thing. Yeah. Hashtag vitamin C. But you... <laughs> Sorry, back to, the, back to the point we were going to talk about. Well, yeah, but I mean, my only concern here is that, uh, you know, I mean, you, you told me the, the title of what it was you wanted to speak about today and I was like, say what? <laughs> so I'm just conscious of getting stuck in as to... Okay. Because it sounds like it's going to be... No, no, no. It's interesting. I think it's very interesting. Oh, I'm not saying it's not interesting. And I'm going to get the... the I'm saying that it... The researcher we, who... Our new goal with the podcast is to get it done in under an hour, oh, right, isn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm like... Shh, shh, so, get on with it. Um, so, so we will get the researcher who I saw present on this topic onto the podcast. Had a word with him. He said, yeah, I'd love to come on your podcast. So I'll get him to cover a lot of the science and the research because often... You might hear me say these things, but you like, you know, you might be like, yeah, but you know, is there any kind of studies to prove it? There are tons of studies about this topic. So what we're going to talk about is metabolic endotoxinemia. So uh, it sounds a bit, you know, kind of daunting, but basically, metabolic is just kind of, you know, um, all the kind of functions in the body. It's basically how our cells work, how we, um, you know, kind of fuel the body and use everything like our food for for uh, function essentially uh-huh. so when your metabolism goes wrong it's when your cells your tiny little cells can't do their jobs anymore because there's kind of immune dysregulation or nutrient deficiency or just damage to the body free radical damage so and the endotoxinemia is endo is is internal kind of think of endo is uh, inside mm-hmm. um and toxinemia is obviously kind of toxic production so it's basically the production of toxins inside the body that is messing up your metabolism. That's what we're going to talk about. Right. Now, because we all love a scapegoat when it comes to our metabolism, this is why it's very interesting. But it is also possibly one of the mechanisms that drives heart disease, cancer, other diseases like Parkinson's, obesity, type 2 diabetes, um, autoimmune diseases, low testosterone. So, you know, that's pretty much most kind of common the, the common problems that the you know the population's fighting in the western world i mean fighting or addressing today and looking yeah. at and we all kind of like to go away and say well it's diet well it's this well it's that but this kind of um what i'm going to talk about today, talk about today is the processes that are going on behind the scenes that might be driving that right. so we know that like things like the lipid hypothesis for heart disease isn't isn't standing anymore so what, what? is it the lipid hypothesis you know the kind of cholesterol sticking to the wall of the arteries blocking the arteries um, right you know we know that doesn't fit anymore so what is it that is driving heart disease in the background because we need to kind of replace that theory with something else that's no one's ever gonna kind of <laughs> well certainly our parents and grandparents generation are never gonna let go of the kind of saturated fat clogs your arteries type yeah, approach, yeah, yeah. Are they? so so um i suppose i should get i've got i've done i've been and watched the lecture again just so i could like pick up some key points and go for it so again i'll be page turning because i've made some notes not that I'm like just reading them. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I could, I could have just done that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the 2017 <laughs> conference on metabolic and <laughs> chronic disease. I don't know why we're a bit brummy then. <laughs> yeah, I'm a brummy all of a sudden. Are we doing good? Good <laughs> <Good-oise>, everyone. <laughs> I think that's probably the best accent to lecture in if you if you <laughs> do it. Like proper like Wolverhampton. <laughs> yeah. It could be interesting. Oh, I'm yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, Babs. <laughs> <laughs> so, metabolic, metabolic endotoxinemia is basically, um, I'm going to do a really simple overview, but it's basically the um, process whereby we've got bacteria in the gut and they've got a component in their, their kind of membrane wall, yeah. which is called lipopolysaccharide. 
And when the bacteria break down, and I'll explain how that happens, it's just a natural process that bacteria die off. They've got kind of a lifespan. Um, this this lipopolysaccharide, known as, we're going to call it LPS, for the sake of, of me stumbling over my words, um, is released into the body. And in some circumstances, when your health isn't great, is able to pass. So we're in the gut at the moment. Sorry, I should have just specified that. Um, this LPS is able to pass from the gut lumen, cross the barrier into the body. And once it's in the body, it starts a huge cascade of, of immune, a, a systemic immune response, basically. Right. So your immune system completely kicks off. And this is what we know is behind. You hear of things like um, chronic inflammatory diseases. That's that's a common phrase that we use, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But nobody ever thinks about what, what do we mean by a chronic inflammatory disease? It means that our immune system is firing off inflammatory chemicals all the time. And this is how we get things like the production of plaque in the arteries, because actually that's an immune response. Yeah. Um, it's a natural thing. It's trying to protect us. I think that's a really good point. I know you've mentioned it before, but I think like it's, it amazes me when you, when you think of things that the body does that, you know, is eventually causes a problem. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing to think that the body was only doing that in the first place to actually try and help you oh that, always so and, and many that, diseases are but people are don't think of it no. like that they just think you know if you eat these foods then this happens and it's bad yeah and it's like well yeah it, it does cause a problem further down the line but initially it's actually it's your body working for you it's your body fighting your corner trying to look out for you and doing what it feels it needs to do well totally i mean we wouldn't have got this far without you know inflammation inflammation essentially and yeah. kind of our immune system doing that and and the body doesn't do these things it doesn't do it on purpose, do you know, to see what I mean? Mm. So the body, it's crazy. Our immune system's always trying to protect us, always trying to figure the situation out. It's us and our lifestyles that are confusing the immune mm. system. Well, I mean, when you think about it, like, you know, it's, it's all... And we're not in, educating it enough as well. It's all in a good saying, you know, like, uh, you know, this causes high cholesterol, this causes, like, the clogging of arteries, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's not like those things are new things in a way, but it's that... You know, our body's always the, had the ability to do that. Yeah. Just way back when, if you like. Yeah. When things weren't the way they are now from a nutrition point of view. And no, absolutely. Pollution yeah. point of view and whatnot. Our bodies didn't need to respond in such a way. And also, if you think about, I mean, we should probably do a whole session on the immune system at some point. But the way the immune system works is by being educated throughout life. And this starts with your mum's microbiome, your dad's microbiome, which are all being passed on. Um, another thing that was mentioned in one of the lectures was that the there's a there's an immune cell that sits behind the gut wall when you're pregnant, and basically this immune cell is constantly kind of dipping its long arm into the into the gut bacteria, having a little feel around what's the situation, what's the bacteria that we need, what? and it takes that bacteria and then via the lymph system carries it to the the breast duct where it helps to populate the breast milk ready for breastfeeding. Seriously? So this is how your mum's immune system is becoming the baby's no immune way. system. But then we don't value breastfeeding for that purpose at all anymore, do we? And similarly, it's, you know, it's also distributing it, you know, around the kind of birth canal ready and, you know, all these kind of things. And, and, and um, you know, so the way you're born, another thing that's talked about, again, we'll probably do a whole, a whole podcast on this, is that the birth canal is populating ready to go into the baby's mouth, uh, during labor process and so they're saying now if you're born by a c-section it's not doom and gloom but you're you haven't had that kind of first step where the immune system is getting educated getting kind of 
almost like, I suppose, think of it as like the seeds and the fertiliser and everything. Well, the breast milk might be more like the fertiliser, but the seeds of that it wants to grow. Um, and that's this is what your mum's decided by kind of assessing the situation. Yeah. That, well, your mum's bacteria have decided on your mum's microbiome more, more accurately. Um, so they're saying that if you're born by C-section, that the mum should kind of swab the vagina and actually kind of put it in the baby's mouth. Oh, yeah, and it's called that, a, a yeah. vaginal kiss. And, and some people are going, this is outrageous. <laughs> like, it's outrageous because what if there's some kind of, you know, so some some babies are born by C-section because their mum has an infection. And that's that's obviously... Uh, I mean, it's more yeah. outrageous that they call it that. Yeah, yeah. That's the most outrageous thing. No one can get their head around their mum giving them a vaginal kiss, and that's fair enough. But, like, your face. So wrong. Your face. But do you see how I wouldn't think twice? I'd go away, and anyone now pregnant should go and research this read up on it Nigel Plummer is the guy who who's kind of sharing some of the studies and right. stuff really fascinating but just saying like it this is nature's way we think we can outsmart nature mm. and we absolutely can't no. this is nature's way this is how we evolved how we've survived how we've become you know these this you know superior to, to animals in a way is this kind of like how the body has grown and everything but well, I suppose that's the thing isn't it I mean we're I suppose we're the only ones who have really ever interfered with uh, birth yeah. childbirth you yeah, know yeah. like if you think of other animals and you know it's just well it's just bosh yeah. <laughs> it just happens yeah but if you, you watch that they're, they're still doing it naturally yeah so we that's this is actually a good point it's kind of gone against what i was saying but we think we can interfere with this process we can make it pain-free we can we can bypass this you know the the birthing process mm. and just do c-section and not that i'm saying people women are opting for this because it's pain-free because there are so many occasions, like I said, where there are infections and things and, you know, the survival of the baby depends on, you know, it's got to be C-section completely and utterly. But then there's also this case of like almost, uh, I've definitely heard more anecdotal, but hospitals and parents preferring it for various different reasons, mm. you know, because they don't understand <coughs> all the processes that are going to kick off, you know, immune-wise yeah, yeah, uh, via a natural birth. But anyway, massive digression. So lipopolysaccharides... So in your gut, in your large intestine, you have this uh, huge family of bacteria. This is where most of your bacteria is located. You've got good guys and you've got bad guys. And they are, most of them, the big majority are called gram-negative bacteria. Yeah? Yeah. Don't really need to know what that means. But what you do, but m most of them have this lipopolysaccharide as a component of their, their kind of membrane. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, they die off. They die off as a result of uh, once you've eaten some food, just kind of um, if you've obviously taken anything that would kill them, like an antibiotic or you're doing some antimicrobials it, or just the kind of natural process of, of eating and the gut kind of turnover and churning will kill off a bit of bacteria and it will produce this, this lipopolysaccharide gets released. And it's basically, um, it's a kind of, it's called a glycoprotein and it's got this little tail on it and it's the tail bit that is kind of toxic. So it's called a, a, it was a, a, it's a lipid A is what they call the tail. So the lipid A part is, is the most toxic bit that if that crosses over into the body in large amounts, starts to trigger the immune system and become a bit of a problem. And it, it, trigger, it triggers all the inflammatory um, signaling methods or cytokines as they're called. So one thing that's pretty obvious about endotoxinemia is in anybody, so in the tests that they're doing where they're kind of measuring levels in the blood of LPS, is that obviously it increases once you've eaten some food. So what they're doing is feeding people some meals and then measuring um, LPS levels postprandial, so after they've eaten. And it seems to be at highest three to five hours after you've eaten some food. 
Still with me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, the next thing they're looking at <laughs> is mouth falling open. <laughs> Heads come back. <laughs> Got me grapes ready. <laughs> I, might, I might start like painting eyeballs on my eyelids <laughs> when we do these. <laughs> Go on, just, just bleep. <laughs> the game would only be up when you ask me something yeah. just like don't answer or do what I do and just repeat the last sentence back even though you've not been listening for 30 <laughs> minutes I don't know how I can do that can you do that like tune out for a good 30 minutes and then someone go what do you think and then you go "You just so, I just remember just that totally agree yeah well yeah, I do but yeah. I always remember the last sentence or you say if you say you've you not say, been listening or you say so interesting so interesting isn't it yeah <laughs> no, if you say you've not been listening, I have this ability to recall the last sentence, but nothing else. I go, yeah, you said you were. You were well, you're just giving you the game away now. So <laughs> yeah. next, next time when you do that, I'm going to know what's, where, what's going on. You weren't listening. What's what did the, I say a few minutes ago? What was the first sentence I said? Anyway, lipopolysaccharide. So basically, they're looking at different foods that cause the highest amount of it. And mm-hmm. what it does, I'm going to explain what it does so you, you kind of know. So, this, this uh, let's call it this like fatty tail, this LPS passes over um, into the body only if, for a starting point, so you can see where the kind of what we're going to do about this comes in, if you don't have good gut health. Because remember we said last week in the podcast how we've got this gut barrier, which is only one cell thick, but to protect it, we have this layer of slime. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I think I got the order wrong. It's actually more slimy at the barrier and then it gets thinner at the top. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. More watery. Right. the further away from the barrier. Right. And the watery bit has all the beneficial bacteria, your lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, all the things that we're all taking in probiotics. They're in the watery bit. So yeah. this is actually a barrier against LPS getting into the body. So first thing is, if you've got your gut is messed up, this LPS has got a quicker gateway into the body. And remember I said it was a glycoprotein, which means it's made of... Sugar, glucose. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And... Protein. Protein. So, so it looks like food, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. So it right. passes through the, 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 the kind of gut wall. is like, oh, it's food. Let that through. You know, it doesn't look like anything. So that's how it's able to get into the body. And then right. it's basically systemic. It's in our, in our bloodstream. And that's where it causes most of the problems. So, um, I mean, I've got, I kind of noted down, I've already said this already, but it's, it's being associated with almost every chronic inflammatory disease, which we've kind of mentioned. Yeah. Go into some more detail about those. But also things like anxiety and depression as well because of its ability to cross the blood-brain barrier and get into the brain. And then again, it will activate immune cells in the brain, uh, microglial cells, which are designed to kind of protect the neurons. And then they kind of go a bit crazy. You know, they're trying to clear basically almost like a you know an infection in the brain or an attack in the brain. And they start to kind of, damage neurons and that's how things like parkinson's as well as the uh, kind of you know mood disorders might be related to um basically metabolic endotoxinemia so it's quite interesting isn't it really interesting (laughs) (laughs) isn't it isn't it interesting it's just fascinating it's really interesting um so where, where 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 were we so basically um uh, okay, so some of the foods that, that kind of cause an increase in this, mm-hmm. uh, one of them is saturated fats. Right. So we've mentioned before on a few of the podcasts, <gasps> haven't we? Yeah. Good old sat fat. Saturated fats, which are perfectly healthy and beneficial of and course. a part of our own cell membrane. It's needed to keep a cell membrane stable because mm-hmm. saturated fats are much more stable than an unsaturated fat in the body. 
Um, but if your gut is messed up, and think of all the people who are doing something like autoimmune paleo or, um, you know, maybe even vegan diets, but they are chugging down quite a lot of coconut oil would mm-hmm. be your first one. So coconut oil in the studies was shown to elevate LPS more than any other uh, fat that you could have. Wow. And it even topped um, oxidized vegetable oil, which, wow. you know, we often say to people, don't eat out a lot because not only are they cheap vegetable oils, you see them all, don't you, mm-hmm. rapeseed oil, whatever, but it's also heated so many times, it's, it's blatantly oxidized by the time it you'll have your food cooked in it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most damaging fats you could put in the body. But if you've got really high levels of, um, of endotoxinemia, then actually coconut oil is one that will kind of shuttle. Well, it kind of increases the level of LPS, and then obviously it's, it's being moved over into the, into the bloodstream much more. So um, olive oil was neutral, as was there was another oil that they looked at, um, and, and omega-3s reduced. So again, a bit of a, a get that oily, fatty fish in, or yeah. if you're not, take a, a really good quality fish oil um, to help. But again, this is if... We have the messed up gut in the first yeah. place. So for most well, people, you've been saying that, I would have healthy. said as well, like even if you didn't, I think people have gone, pe- people tend to go a little bit crazy whenever, you know, something new comes along. Yeah. So, you know, coconut oil was great and all, but all of a sudden people went from consuming very little to blinking, cooking with it, putting in their coffee, yeah, yeah. rubbing it on their face. Yeah, like yeah. it was like... <laughs> You know, it is a nice moisturiser. No, it is, it is. But I, I suppose like my yeah. point is, it's, you know, don't go from one extreme to the other because, as you say, it is very, very high in saturated fats. Yeah. But it's also incredibly high in calories as well because, obviously, it is a fat and it's probably a lot easier to consume a lot of calories from it without you realising. Well, we bought a, a raw chocolate bar the other day, didn't we, that was coconut oil. And, oh, my God. And coconut oil was the first ingredient and it was raw cacao and well, you looked at it. It was, was the, it 300 it, it, calories. It was the tiniest little chocolate bar. Right? <laughs> yeah. well, I say tiny. To look at it, it was really tiny. But it was uh, 60, so, so dense with, like, stuff. And I was just having, like, a bit of a mid-morning coffee and I thought, oh, I'll have this uh, xylitol chocolate um, <laughs> Uh, bar to go with my coffee and then not that I'm really one to to count calories but I just kind of looked out of pure curiosity and it was like 350 odd calories in this tiny little chocolate and it said on the thing like serving size 30 grams and I was like well it's blinking small enough as it is like who's going to eat half of it but I thought they're only probably saying that so that at least then it doesn't look like the calorie calorie uh consumption of the, of the whole bar is going to be quite as bad you know if you're only having half of it yeah yeah but the first ingredient was coconut oil so no wonder it was packed with calories so yeah fair enough it was sugar-free in that it wasn't like processed sugars per se it was xylitol which I suppose is processed to a degree itself um well it is processed you know let's let's be honest but i suppose when you look at those comparisons of like if you used to compare that to like a snickers or a Mars bar it's actually got less calories in yeah yeah or it's there about it tastes nicer but it tastes (laughs) a lot nicer let's be you know let's be really honest but it just it just shows you and in fact actually I've got a video coming up in fact by the time you listen to this it might have already gone out about the kind of associations between healthier choices and calorie content etc etc well it's interesting because you're doing a course on kind of you're more I would say kind of like sports nutrition stuff at the moment and I'm doing courses on kind of nutritional therapy and yeah. kind of biochemistry. So it's interesting when we come together because I always sometimes get lost in this kind of stuff, but 
you will you will bring me back to the still like it's still not healthy yeah, even if it's have a, <laughs> have a snickers yeah, yeah, yeah no i didn't mean that <laughs> I mean, as in, like so i'll always opt for the healthier option in a, in a food shop but then you're like it still could be pushing you into a calorie yeah. excess and it could still not necessarily be healthy just because it's the latest craze and you'll kind of rein me back that way as i will kind of push you yeah. to more to more well, say yeah but what about the gut what about the hormones think of it though is like we're probably going off a massive tangent here, yeah. but do you know what? It's all about health and it's all about lifestyle, so it's always relevant. <laughs> to be fair, when we get the toll like receptors, I think I'm going to lose you anyway. So, yeah. so. This is what I'm doing. I'm just trying to put it off. Yeah. So then we go, oh, so we've run out of time, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll do this on another podcast. No, but what I was going to say, I think a lot of the time it's novelty value, right? Like, because we went to uh, uh, the Kettlebell kitchen when we was in manchester yeah which is an awesome place like you can get like really fantastic like healthy healthy food but they also do have a counter that's full of things like protein donuts and you know uh you know like the 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 sugar-free all natural ingredients brownies and and things like that and you're tempted by these things because it's almost uh you're intrigued and you're like oh donuts protein i've got to try that we didn't in the end. We actually were were quite good in the end. We uh we put a few things back that we had originally picked <laughs> up, which is probably a good job because we would have spent a fortune. But again, I think it is that it's that novelty thing, isn't it? Of you know, like at the moment, like a big thing. Well, I love grenade bars, as so does everyone. By the sounds of it, grenade bars are taking over the world. Um, and I'm for, gonna do a whole episode on protein bars soon. But but I mean, let's be honest, grenade bars they, they taste awesome. You know, like, I've not come across a single flavour that I dislike, and yeah, it's got a hit of protein in. But I think I think the difference is, is I don't consume a grenade bar kidding myself that this is a super-duper healthy snack. It's just essentially a candy bar with a bit of a protein hit in it. You know, in terms of like, you know, people talk about eating clean and single-ingredient foods and all of that. I mean, there's just as many ingredients in a grenade bar as there is a Mars bar or something like that or some other equivalent. But it just so happens that you've just got that extra little bit of protein. Well, it's funny. Do, do you yeah, see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the reason I said we should do a whole episode on... But I shall not stop eating grenade bars. Well, no, we, we, the reason I said we should do a whole episode on protein bars with a couple of people is because something that is coming out in all the stuff that I'm attending is the effect of things like the sweeteners and, you know, mm. like sucralose and stuff, actually on everything from hormones, you know, in terms of, you know, people used to think this is almost like a free food that we could eat mm. and it doesn't impact you know kind of energy signaling and you know are you in an energy deficit do we need to store fat do we need to burn fat actually sucralose does and and so for me it's really interesting because I've, I've started to look at some of these kind of protein bars and see what they've got in them and, and and like I'm coming back to your point here wouldn't you just be better off eating a very natural more natural version but staying within a kind of reasonable calorie you know so rather yeah. than going for a, a low carb one that's just got the ingredients in that you don't recognize why not just go for a brand that's, you know, yes, it's got some, I don't know, dates in it and yeah. nuts and stuff, but at least it's within your kind of calorie well, or well, make the, your own. Even the better. truth be told, like when it comes to a grenade bar now, like I, I eat them because I like simple as that, you know, and I, I don't eat them because I'm like, oh, I don't think I've quite managed to hit my protein quota today. No, no. But you I know, think a lot of people are eating them because of the low carb. Exactly. It's low carb. Right? It's calorie controlled. They are quite low on calories. You know, as I say, like... So the curly-whirly. It's true, but it's true, though. But it's true. And, you know, we've spoken about this many a time. Like, if you could say to a client, do you know what? If you want to eat a curly-whirly a day, you do so. If that allows you to be... to, to adhere to this diet plan 
of the breakfast, lunch and dinners that would ideally like you to eat most of the time, I'm all for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, like, what is in a curly whirly? Like, I mean, you know this off by heart. How many calories? 110 calories. It might have changed. 110 calories in a curly whirly. It's nothing. And, you know, <laughs> no, no, but it isn't. No, no, no. We it like, is, it uh, is nothing. I, I, well, like, yeah. there's, free, there's probably like two or three times that in a handful of nuts, which, yeah, yeah fair enough. Nuts are higher in like good quality fats and fiber and la da da. Yeah, But, yeah, you know, yeah. they're not going to curb that sweet tooth, are they? No. Oh, really? For cra- <laughs> We've got a crane for something sweet. Oh, no, I'll have some almonds. <laughs> yeah. It's done work. I love it when you get, like, you read health magazines and they say that. When you really want this, oh, yeah. have this. Just have a Brazil nut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One Brazil nut has enough selenium in it to... Uh... <laughs> the amount of people that come to me and go, I'm eating like three bags of nuts a day just to try and not eat chocolate. I'm like, we, we should have just eaten the chocolate. <laughs> it's true, it is true. <laughs> anyway, immune activation. God, Kate, I won't interrupt you anymore. So... Get your point across, girl. So... So the left polysaccharide gets into the body and it activates the immune system. So the immune system is really cool. We've got these two cells. They're like your first responders, macrophage and dendritic cells. And basically the LPS is kind of carried to the immune cells and uh, by a binding protein. And then an immune complex called CD14 is kind of they analyze it and go, oh, I don't like this. And then they activate the immune system and they release something called NF-kappa B. And the reason this is really important is it's kind of like a massive alarm going off. So again, imagine in your your house in the middle of the night, um, you know, basically someone triggers the alarm, flashing lights, screaming, whirring. But imagine this going on constantly in the body. Mm-hmm. So like there's constantly, you know, police coming in and, and you know, just, just kind of uh, just absolute chaos. And that is what happens when your immune system is chronically activated. And so it starts with this kind of the CD14 component telling the NF-kappa B but from there we get these cytokines which are inflammatory chemicals released and again they're just kind of like kind of messengers going around the body just constantly pulling in immune immune um, cells and so again in heart disease this is how we start to get that laying down of the plaque formation it's a little bit more complicated but generally there's an inflammatory trigger and then the immune system responds and tries to fix things tries to right. calm things down and so you have things like uh, you don't need to know this, but some of the cytokines are things like interleukin-6 and um, I won't name them all because there's not much point. But the reason I'm trying to say this is relevant is you can go away and have like an immune assay test done that you could look at levels of things like CD14 um, in your blood. You could look at, um, they, me- they measure LPS and LPB, the binding protein, to see if this is a big problem in your body right now. Um, some of the symptoms, I don't, you know, I don't like symptom this because it's like, postprandial fatigue and yeah, brain yeah, yeah. fog and it's like well it could be anything it could be yeah. because you just ate a you know a grenade bar who knows what? <laughs> yeah. so there's this massive list but basically there are various kind of things that you could uh, and, and the most extreme version of this is sepsis so you know, like blood, blood poisoning is when there's this this huge amount of kind of tox, toxic well toxicity in the blood but what this is is kind of a low a slow drip feed from the food that you're eating essentially so yeah. every time you're having a meal, you're just getting a small drip feed of it. But it's a very similar mechanism to sepsis. Sepsis is obviously something more severe and, and bigger. Um, but of course, so so when I get the, the researcher on board, I'll get him to go through all the studies that they've been doing. Um, some of them have been done on, on really, really healthy students who they got in and basically fed them McDonald's and then measured the LPS in the blood for, you know, kind of three to five hours after eating and then how it got worse over 10 days of eating nothing but McDonald's. And these guys didn't have any signs of type 2 diabetes, no kind of 
they weren't overweight, they didn't have any gut problems, you know, no inflammatory bowel disease. And then slowly over time, you saw all the inflammatory signals just, you know, start to accumulate. And obviously, they stopped the studies, you know, they can't, there's been a few like that, where they fed people McDonald's to see the effect on the microbiome. And Mm -hmm. no offense on McDonald's, it's probably just any takeaway, any fast food, you know, where it's kind of just covered in in, in terrible fats, oxidized fats, and, and very little fiber and vegetables that feed the gut bacteria. So, First and foremost, in terms of what we can do, so just in case you're out there and you've got that, you know, if you have that kind of history, you might have that health history now, you know, obesity, type 2 diabetes, possibly, you know, generations above you, heart disease, that kind of stuff. So there could be that genetic susceptibility, that lifestyle um, (coughs) side could be influencing, you know, we know stress, inactivity, lack of sleep, all that kind of stuff. But if this is already kicking off inside you, what, what can you do about it? And what I absolutely loved about this conference, this guy was, do you remember me telling you about the, the one I went to on Parasites, where she said, okay, at mm-hmm. the end of every sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Mackey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Parasites, okay. So <laughs> she, this lecture put the fear of God in us about Parasites, and then at the end of it, there was no solutions offered whatsoever. So it was really like, I hate going to lectures like that. Just like I hate listening to podcasts about that. And if you want to find out more, you've got to sign up. You know, right, right, right. Because so just scare the crap out of yeah, you. Yeah, basically. And, then... and he was like, he said, you know, I'm not going to just scare the crap out of you. I'm going to tell you what you can do. And, and a big a big side of it, and again, this is where I'm so proud of Fit Food, was that you have to look at your nutrition and you have to be eating a really diverse diet that's kind of packed with fruits and vegetables, you know, very natural, avoiding kind of modern day processed foods, mm. avoiding you know, food additives, preservatives. And so again, it's exactly what we've invested in every single plan or online transformation plan we've ever done is gone. It's going to be based on predominantly real foods Mm -hmm. um, with the occasional bit of something that you like, but most of your meals are going to come from this. And a big emphasis on things like, you know, fruit and vegetables and fiber, because what that does is basically the, the kind of more foods that you're eating, the more, you know, types of fiber that are going into the gut, the more diverse the microbiome can be. So... Yeah. Um, and we've kind of extended our, our repertoire of, of what we consider to be healthy fibers. We, you know, we kind of added back in legumes. Yeah. So we were quite paleo orientated at first, but then the more research we were doing on microbiome, we said, no, I think legumes go back in and yeah. wild rice and some quinoa and, and sweet potato. And we've always sweet potato. I mean, we go crazy for quinoa, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. Keris <laughs> does. I can take it or leave it. So, so just to tell you what this does. So, so one of the most. <laughs> so, I remember the episode of uh, the Graham Norton show, and you had Gwyneth Paltrow on there. Yeah. She was talking about a new recipe book. Yeah. And um, he was like, "I knew you've got a section on like, uh, like what to do with like leftovers or something." Yeah. And he's like, it. and there's this left recipe here with leftover quinoa, and he was like, "But I mean, who has leftover quinoa?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah so basically just uh, going back to so the first thing that we need to do is have a healthy microbiome yeah mm-hmm. so that is that kind of remember the watery layer that's kind of just above the really stodgy layer of mucus that's yeah. lying in the gut barrier in the watery layer the more diverse and beneficial bacteria we have in there and this is where things like your fermented foods and your your fiber fiber like to feed the flora avoiding the, the kind of We've done a whole podcast on this before, but they're saying just how kind of uh, flour generally is tending to kind of lead to a more kind of pro-inflammatory bacterial balance. Mm. So just limiting flour in your nutrition. Remember that, I think I've shared that before, but um, acellular carbohydrates, they're called, 
if you stick that in Google, you'll see a list. Rice cakes, yeah. rice cakes are top. I'm sorry to oh, say. Really? Yeah. Uh, but as you go further down, rice uh, cakes. yeah, yeah, because it's kind of su- such a refined carbohydrate. So um, if you're going down the list, you'll get towards the sweet potatoes. What about oat cakes? They weren't actually on the list because it's American. So I think good news. Assume there was an ignorance for that. But what this does, a few things that this does is, is obviously it's maintaining that nice kind of mucosal barrier. So that is the first line defense against. Uh, the lipopolysaccharide, getting to the barrier. Once it gets to the barrier, because it looks like food, it, it gets in. Um, and a couple of things that, um, again, I don't know how useful it is to kind of know these, but butyrate, acetate, taurine, and um, indole are kind of components which are produced by the bacteria that are sitting in that kind of watery layer, that mucus layer, that basically help to neutralize lipopolysaccharides. So, um, and then the other thing that the microbiome do is they increase something called secretory IgA. And again, the reason this is important is that has a really um, strong role in kind of neutralizing lipopolysaccharides whilst we're we're still in the gut lumen here. So we haven't let them get inside the body. Um, Just a couple of things. So those kind of things I've mentioned, uh, the bacteria produce. And again, the way that we kind of, as a nutritional therapist, talk about increasing, um, they're basically short chain fatty acids. Um, is by having more fiber in your diet. Um, and this is what kind of a lot of animals do. So things like gorillas and, and cows, basically they eat the grass and then they ferment it into short-chain fatty acids. So we need a certain amount of this. We don't need to just be plant-based, but we do need a certain amount of these short-chain fatty acids, which we get by increasing, you know, kind of plant foods and, and uh, vegetable matter within the diet. So that is one way. If we get um, too much of the kind of opportunistic and bad bacteria, so this is what we call gut dysbiosis, then that actually produces things which start to break down the mucus, including an enzyme called mucinase. So your mucus barrier starts to deteriorate, which then obviously means that the barrier can be exposed. And then the so again, we want loads and loads of beneficial bacteria and everything that you do diet lifestyle well should support that. Um, a couple of other things that the gut bacteria do. I didn't even know this. I kind of suppose I did. I know that the gut bacteria are responsible for kind of maintaining the tight junctions, but they actually kind of help produce the proteins um, that keep the gut barrier kind of locked together. Um, so again, for those that you've heard of leaky gut, we talk about leaky gut all the time. Yeah. So the gut bacteria are a big part of maintaining the tight junctions um, through kind of protein th- synthesis. So really, really important. Are you still with me? So interesting. <laughs> You're just going to say that all the time now. Interesting. <laughs> so interesting. Um, a couple of other things. I'm just trying to. I lost my train of thought here. So not only that so they, they're kind of maintaining the the mucosal lining. Yeah. Yeah. They're stopping the LPS from migrating through, and then they're also maintaining the integrity of the gut barrier. So that's kind of how your gut bacteria help. So why we need to have a healthy microbiome. Why if you have something like um, food poisoning, infection, take antibiotics you need to make sure that you repopulate really quickly. Or if you have a history of not eating good foods or many foods. or um, One thing I didn't point out actually was that high caloric meals as well as high fat meals would also increase LPS into the, into the bloodstream as well. So again, if you think of what junk food is made of, it's just, it is just so calorific in so many ways. Um, it, it, you know, so all the tests they're doing, they're kind of getting people to eat you know, basically junk food and look at the effect that it has on, on the, the LPS in the body. I suppose in that sense it's because it would be easy to consume a lot of calories in not so much, but not necessarily a high volume of food, right? Yeah. Because obviously, you know, if, yes, you, if yeah. you think of, you know, 
a lot of processed food. Yeah. Not all, but, you know, a good chunk of processed food is quite calorie dense. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? I mean, one thing I should just point out here as well is I'm not, uh, none of the outcome of these studies is that we would need to be vegan and plant-based because it, it's it's more kind of everything I'm seeing at the moment is just saying just be a really good omnivore, you know, yeah. just just a little bit of meat, good quality meat every now and then, you know, fish and seafood and loads of plant-based food and you kind of have all your bases covered because the fish and the seafood is also really important for various other micronutrients that we need. Yeah. And we are omnivores, you know, essentially. So, um, but again, there's genetic aspects that feed into that. Um, just in case you kind of sat there thinking we've got anti-saturated fat and we're, you know, no. that's not the case at all. Um, but obviously, if your gut is messed up, you're going to benefit from more of a Mediterranean-style diet. It's essentially one But of again, the, one it of the just outcomes. comes back to that, that lovely word that we, we like to say, moderation you know <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. go crazy and yeah. it, that goes across the board i mean you know broccoli is full of good stuff but you know you eat a lot of it trust me you know uh, you're, you're gonna be fighting like a good and then you know you probably feel quite bloated you know so it just shows you you know it's, it's not a case of this is bad that's awful you know this is great eat as much of it as you as you want you know because they're saying if you, if you kind of had or suspected you had a messed up gut you would benefit from doing leaner red meats lean chicken that kind of stuff mm. initially an olive oil an oily fish and then obviously as the gut fixes then then it's back well to... i often think anyway like in in terms of digestion with like fattier meats like even if you used to look at like steak yeah you know obviously there's leaner cuts of like uh steak and there's fattier cuts of steak and yes the fattier cuts are more flavorsome and i prefer like a slightly fattier cut myself but i think the biggest problem with that is most people just don't chew their food properly yeah and certain foods require you know a little bit more of a breakdown to kind of help them out a bit protein being one of them you know a fattier cut of protein being being a big one so well another thing that i've um again i tend to probably probably do a whole podcast on this and we will at some stage is gallbladder function because that gallbladders are responsible for for breakdown of fats and multiplication well it produces bile yeah um along with the, the liver and you've got the pancreas producing lipase enzymes and that in itself is called the biliary tree. And so many things mess that up, including everything from kind of hormone function. Um, so estrogen dominance, progesterone deficiency could mess that up. Think of all the women that took the pill and then also went on a low-fat diet. like So maybe have things like gallstones wow. and things like alcohol and smoking contribute as well. So it, once that's messed up, they were saying that that is such a massive contributor to kind of toxemia generally in the gut, you know, kind of ridiculous amounts and then all of this fat will be transferred over and so gallbladder function is something that you know a lot of people say they eat meat and feel sick or they they eat fats and feel sick yeah the first place i look is kind of okay gallbladder you're not breaking fats down and then and floating stools is another another sign of that anyway um just back to the last few ways that that so in case you're thinking well so far all we know is like lps fires off the immune system and you know kind of so what the studies that have been done have shown that lps could be a factor in leptin resistance uh-huh. because it interferes with them. Um, you know, we've got, we talked last week on the podcast about the enteric nervous system. So the fact that we've got um, the gut is basically kind of lined with, it's like got its own nervous system that links to the brain via the vagus nerve. Right. It severs that. So there's no kind of feedback to the brain that, that you're kind of, you know, that you're full, that you've eaten. So hunger and appetite signaling is completely messed up by LPS um, because of it, the way that it interferes there. It also affects, um, remember we talked about peristalsis and the kind of the motility of the gut. Um, it can have a huge impact there again by affecting the enteric nervous system because you've got this immune system just kicking off all, all over the place. 
which means the gut doesn't move. Now, if the gut doesn't move, what happens? Gut doesn't move. Yeah, so there's no motility. Not so you're constipated essentially. So oh, then right. you're not, and there's no removal of the toxins at all. So the toxins get recycled. Um, estrogen gets recycled. Hormones get recycled. Estrogen dominance, and you can see. Then we get a whole host of hormonal complications and and kind of symptoms of almost toxicity when actually it's you know constipation it's and it can be related to this this kind of immune activation wow. that's gone off in the background and also stasis in the gut can lead to other problems like SIBO so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth so it yeah. kind of goes upstream um wow. to the small intestine from you know from all those problems so again and it's all down to that kind of initial thing was the LPS effect of the gut motility um it has I already mentioned earlier it can affect things like um, anxiety and depression so because it can cross over into the brain and this is the area that I think a lot of people are getting really interested in is is the effect that it has on the neurons and the effect that it's having on the um, uh, kind of circulation of serotonin and dopamine so it could be related to anxiety it could be and again if, if, if people kind of make that maybe that kind of link between eating and feeling bad um, there was some discussion of anorexia and they were saying that um, why do there's a big study going on as to why some people succumb to or reflect social pressure and things in um, eating disorders and others don't because we're all almost under that pressure. Now I can see anyone out there specialised in eating disorders kicking off here, going, no, 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 you know, it's very much a kind of social or you know, kind of psychological, maybe possibly genetic or you know, almost learned uh, mm. learned condition from from generations before you. Yeah. But what they're saying here was that because it affects dopamine, which is implicated in a lot of eating disorders like bulimia and anorexia, mm -hmm. dopamine obviously if it's low, we kind of um, we kind of seek external reward, we seek external highs, and um, they were saying one of the drivers could be LPS. Uh, but also it can create an aversion to food because every time you're eating, there's the passage of the uh, toxins into the body and that makes you feel worse. I don't know. I was a bit like, gosh, I think you're going to come up against a, a kind of raft of, you know, criticism. Yeah, but yeah. the studies were saying when they were looking in anorexic, I think, I can't remember when they'd, when they'd looked at anorexic individuals, that there was high levels of LPS. And so they created this aversion to food. It kind of makes sense, I suppose. But like I said, I think you're going to have a whole host of people who go, no way, that's just a simplified approach to a very complex complex condition at yeah. this point in time. But interesting, all the same. Um, and an interesting one that he pointed out was Parkinson's because they're saying of the effect that um, the microglial, which are like the macrophages, the kind of Pac-Mans of the brain, um, are being activated by the lipopolysaccharides and then they're kind of causing damage to the neurons. And then we know that Parkinson's is, um, again, kind of... It's, the mechanisms that are taking place because of the immune activation are kind of associated with Parkinson's. So they're looking at could something like probiotic therapy fixing the gut actually improve the symptoms of Parkinson's, which could be, you know, kind of revolutionary because it's a disease that we generally don't associate with that kind of thing at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And it is a, you know, there aren't that many kind of it's medications and, and a few other couple of things. Yeah. So again, very interesting area um, to look at. Chronic pain was another one because, um, it can actually get into, LPS can kind of get into the nerve cell itself and then affect something called the nociceptors, which basically, again, are responsible for kind of triggering pain signals. So, uh, again, there was a lot of question over chronic pain syndrome. Is it real or is it in someone's mind? Mm. Um, and he, they, he was saying very much so that it's real because there's kind of the systemic metabolic endotoxinemia is triggering constant pain. 
So, um, so, so, how, so, so it is real or? Yeah, they are experiencing pain because the, the toxins have got into the nerve cells and then they're triggering inflammatory cytokines and that's the mechanism behind it. So again, fixing the gut, giving probiotics. Um, I mean, it's exciting for, for someone like me who I think I've always, what, you know, Emma Myhill, when I trained with her, was always like, just always start with the gut, always fix the gut, mm-hmm. always address that. And, then, you know, for a while, you know, when I started practicing, that, that I mean, that's, they've been there with me ever since. And it's always first lectures I can book into will be gut health. And it just makes so much sense because yeah. so much of the immune system is triggered by the gut. Yeah. So it's exciting in some ways that we go back there, but it's going to take so much time for this to trickle down into kind of conventional mm-hmm. medicine recommendations. I think you're not going to see that kind of... Um, but anyway, uh, last one was low testosterone, which I thought was really interesting because how many emails and messages do we get about low testosterone? And there are some obvious things that we say to address, like stress and sleep and a good diet and stop boozing and smoking mm-hmm. and, and sticking a laptop on your balls and stuff like that. Like we have some key things that we, <laughs> we say, uh, but there's something called the gelding theory, which said that when, when there's chronic activation of the innate immune system, so I haven't really said the word innate, but that's kind of, you know, when we talk about mac- macrophages and things yeah. like that. When there's chronic activation of that, there is a complete halt in testosterone production or a kind of so, so lowering. So of explain it. that. So innate. So that's the, part of the immune system. So. Yeah. It, but when you just said. Uh, some of the, so when we're talking about the activation of things like macrophages and dendritic yeah. cells and uh, around the body, and then they're firing off the inflammatory cytokines. Right. I, if I was, to, I would go into detail Which about. Which are. Inflammatory chemicals. So they're recruiting other immune cells to the to the to the site of what they what they perceive to be infection or invasion. Mm-hmm. Right. So these lipopolysaccharides are going around the body, and then you've got the immune cells all being kind of dragged into the fight. I always say it's a bit like Game of Thrones here, like they're just, come on. everyone's kicking off with everybody, <laughs> and at some point we might even start to kick off with our own tissues. So, right. Um, but the gelding theory was that when this starts to happen, and there's this big kind of you know, war going on inside the body, then testosterone production will start to decrease, decline. And that could be one of the reasons behind hypogonadism. Similarly, I'd imagine for women, it would be more like, I'd imagine it'd be something like progesterone because progesterone is always affected by stress, essentially. And that kind of feedback to the hypothalamus gland in the brain that we're we're in a kind of Mm. state of stress. There'll be a steal of cholesterol. Do you remember the cortisol steal? Yes. Anywho... And autoimmunity, it's also associated with that. So um, in case you're kind of now like, what can we do? Um, oh, here it was. I was looking for where I'd written about what the microbiome do, but I've pretty much covered it all. Increasing SIGA, secretory IgA, which is this kind of first-line response that we have. So I do GI map testing with some clients um, who I think need it, and that measures secretory IgA in the stool. And basically it's this kind of, you know, it's really important for protecting the kind of that mucus layer, the integrity of the, the gut barrier. And so you can measure it in a stool test. And the, the, again, the, the gut microbiomes and the bacteria are really responsible for that secretory IgA. So having a good, healthy, beneficial flora is yeah. really important. Uh, and sec- uh, sorry, secretory IgA also neutralizes the LPS in the lumen as well. So yet again, this yeah. comes back to the gut, yeah. which we talk about. A lot. Yeah. And it's almost like, like you say, kind of gaining a bit more traction, if you will, in kind of like uh, media, TV, magazines, things like that. Like, it's just amazing how, you know, when, you know, like when 
because I, I know that you know I don't study on the level that you study, or, or should I say, you know, I, I, well, I don't, <laughs> but, I, I, but I also don't, I don't really tend to study the, the topics that you look at, that you look at. But yeah. I'm very much kind of like learning uh, from maybe like the stuff I'm learning at the moment is for like a bit more kind of like performance orientated in like maybe quite highly trained individuals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But again, like we we often have these conversations, don't we? Where it's like just all, but still, you know, it comes back to like just the basics and getting those the foundation in place and, well, and, and got, working with that i've got some key things on what we can all do because we haven't really uh, and I'll, I'll summarize those really really quickly Go. um i was gonna say the last little bit because i just think this is really cute there's something called a goblet cell in the gut isn't that really cute a goblet yeah cell and it produces mucin too which you can imagine mucin is going to help to maintain what the mucus is really important um, and and this is something else they were saying about having beneficial bacteria in there really supported the production of, of mutin too as well. Again, um, you know, we can keep going on about the, the kind of massive things that the gut bacteria do, but it just never ceases to amaze me what we know about them. And the last thing I said about the, the gut barrier having the tight junctions, those cells and the barrier break down. You know, all cells have like a, you know, kind of a, a, a set period where they exist for and they can get damaged and they can break down. And when they break down and, and kind of lose function there's like a gap in the wall and they actually showed you in this lecture kind of um it must have been done by I imagine ultrasound i can't know what it was camera anyway in the gut showing you the the tiny holes where wow. where the barrier had was starting to break down kind wow. of a natural part of it but this is where those kind of that protein expression to create a new cell to fill that gap is part of again the role of the gut bacteria in doing that so that's wow. that's how important that they are regenerating the pleidial cells that, that will then right. fit back in and then obviously we haven't got that hole in the gut wall anymore but they said there's just such massive implications for Crohn's colitis um you know celiac and and just general IBS diagnosis that we talked about last week is all of this like fix all of this yeah. and everything else will and that's what he was kind of saying so really good probiotic therapy some stuff to support the barrier so I suppose in terms of um Things that, that you guys out there what can do. What can you do about it? Do macro diversity was top of the list in terms of your diet. Don't discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> so think of the people out there who have the Love same... Love all macros. Same breakfast, same lunch, same dinner. And, you know, stick within their calorie requirements, mm. blah, blah. And maybe, you know, a relatively healthy and healthy... Um, well, the same as when we talk about, you know... Healthy body the, composition. Like, like but... metabolic flexibility. You know, like it's... You know, it's just... It's that ability for your body to just kind of like... Yeah, yeah. Adapt, absolutely. you know, like, you know, and we all need this. the fats, we need the protein, we need the carbs, you know. We do. It's just establishing your... And different of. versions of. Yes, yeah. And fibre was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Another thing was really important was time-restricted feeding. So we've mentioned this before, not necessarily intermittent fasting, but just shorten your eating window. So um, a lot of studies are saying, do have breakfast. It does seem to keep mm-hmm. people's blood sugar a bit more stable through the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe have your carbs at breakfast, which, you know, a few years ago it was carbs at night. Now it's carbs at breakfast. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's going to be just down to you as an individual experiment. Well, I read something the other day that said only have carbs on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only have carbs on carb day. That's the. Everything's <laughs> <laughs> that carb day. Um, so time restricted feeding, um, and the reason being, you may have heard, if you look up intermittent fasting, people talk about autophagy, and this is when the immune system basically is able to go and kind of have a clear out of the mess. And so obviously there'd be the kind of neutralizing of toxins and removal of toxins and dumping it all in the feces and getting rid of it. So autophagy is really important. So again, 
just having kind of the earliest dinner you can and then, you know, and not snacking in between meals, two very basic steps that are hugely supportive for the gut. And that means everything when I say not snack between meals. Not yeah. If you're about to say, what about, you know, other than liquid, calorie-free liquids, water, tea, coffee, no milk, it's nothing. Then uh, another thing, okay, in terms of lifestyle stuff, vitamin D wasn't mentioned, but I'm just going to add that in because that was mentioned in everything I've been to recently. It was really good healthy levels of vitamin D. So important for gut um, barrier and also... Um, uh, the gut bacteria themselves, I think well, it, it, the mechanisms we don't, I don't even understand them quite yet. I'm sure there'll be a session on that quite soon, but vitamin D, hugely important. So now that we're heading into winter, supplement or get tested. Mm. Um, anyway, other things, get dirty. So again, uh, uh, <laughs> stop oh. using antimicrobial cleaners, stop using, I didn't uh, think of any cleaners with chlorine in, but that for me has implications for swimmers as well because mm, they're saying how it's wiping out yeah. um, beneficial bacteria. Yeah, like in the pool every day. Yeah. So, and again, was... I do know a lot of swimmers have a lot of clients who do triathlons who have some gut issues for various reasons that could be. But Well, I mean, I'm. I had to give up swimming because I kept swallowing too much water. Okay, <laughs> really? It gave me really bad IBS. So I don't, but then I swallow off the pool. I mean, not just swallowing chlorine. Exactly, are you? yeah. God knows what you're swallowing. But think of the job of what is the job of chlorine? Well, to, to, to clean. To wipe out bacteria. Yeah. So put it in your body and what's it going to do? Uh, wipe out bacteria by any chance? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So interesting. So interesting. So interesting. <laughs> uh, next on the list is get a dog. They're just talking about how Check. Uh, dogs are kind of rooting around in the bacteria, the soil. They love that bacterial exposure, and then they come and wipe it all over you. And uh, next thing was look at EMF, so uh, electromagnetic frequencies, because they believe that they can enhance the virulence of bacterial and viral infections, probably by the way that they affect your immune defense system, I'd imagine, and stuff, uh, and your kind of immune signaling in the body. Well, you know, going back to the, uh, the, the get dirty thing, yeah. like I... Um, I <laughs> I need to like phrase this correctly. Like, so I basically wash less now in that like some days when I shower, I don't use any, anything. I just like have a rinse in hot water, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. For that reason. Yeah, they, they, it is, it, they are, that is what they're saying to do now. You just know, so I mean, I'll always kind of like wash with something less. after like uh, a gym sesh or something yeah. like that. When I've a sweated, testicle like, self-cleaning. <laughs> well, well, no, they're not. So I was give them a good, to give them a bit more attention. Top pencils no, are supposed to be self-cleaning. They are in the eyes. In the what? The eyes the and eyes. the vagina. Oh. Are the two body parts that are self-cleaning. self-cleaning. I don't do you know. What? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought this about um, the armpits, though, because we've wiped out the bacteria that would have maintained like a nice balance there because mm. we've used antiperspirants for however many years everyone's mm-hmm. done that and I've, uh, this is again anecdotal but lots of people at the college and stuff go without and so you have to get through a period of stinkiness and then it does it does go when your beneficial bacteria yeah. come back and some people using probiotics under their armpits because i don't think i pong as much now like as when i was a teenager when i used to sweat yeah and my pits would be kicking up a bit no. whereas now is I don't think it's as harsh. And I think that's kind of diet-related. Yeah, right? yeah. Because I eat a lot better now. Yeah. You did as a teenager. Yeah, but also, you know, like, slightly different, but we often say that Hamish is not a smelly dog. Like, you know, some dogs, like, and when yeah, we're out yeah. and about, and, like, we say hello to others, other people's dogs and give them a fuss. Yeah. And then you might smell your hand and you'd be like, oh, 
Gosh, they stink. Yeah, yeah. But Hamish, like, genuinely... No, like, no, he doesn't. Apart from like, bottom burps. When he, or when he rolls in something. Yeah, but, rolls And again, I, I think that's down to his diet, because yeah. he eats a really bloody good diet. Yeah. Um, last couple of things. So, first thing, when I ever see this kind of stuff, I'm always like, how can I increase my mucin production? <laughs> Make sure that I've got a layer of mucus protecting my gut barrier, which is obviously really important. Because also, it was mentioned things like, we all know this, stress so they did talk about uh all the autoimmune diseases and stress and uh and an intense exercise opening up the tight junctions in the gut so again if you're trying to fix the gut so after your fight you know i'm probably gonna come down on you and make you do a a session of just gut healing and and no more stressing intense exercise no more training no more training chill (laughs) send you to the bahamas you can be on dog duty yeah you can like char anyway in the mornings (laughs) Uh, but for the mucin, for the mucin production was different types of uh, proteins because it was it's made of it's a glycoprotein it's made of um, I'm good, I'm good there, uh, yeah so uh, threonine uh, serine proline and cysteine um, were helpful for that so Found making in. sure you've got those you need to go and have a look and have, they're in your diet I can name a few we uh, we already take cysteine cysteine will be um, loads of vegetables contain these eggs proline is rice. Serine, I'd have to look up. Honest to God, I'm really I'd have to look up. But generally, if you've got a da- varied diet... So even, even, even yeah, kids, that's no, brain farts from time I, to time. I, I go through phases of knowing all of them and then I... Mm. Um, if you, again, have that kind of mix of different animal proteins and yeah. vegetable proteins, you'll have that covered. We'll get a but variety. again, something like a pea protein will have all those in and a rice protein. And speaking of pea protein, because let's be honest, not many of them taste that good. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. But you, you did buy one recently, and I'm very impressed. I've got two that I like. I like what, what's it called? New Zest. But New I also like Zest. Vital Health. New Zest and Vital Health, I think, are lovely. Vital's okay. Oh, shut up. You have it loads. The vanilla one's okay. The vanilla one's nice. Blended in with loads of other stuff. Yeah. Banana New, New and Zest stuff. New Zest is nice. Yeah. But the New Zest, the chocolate one's okay. The creamy cappuccino one lovely. is actually really nice. And I could actually have that just mixed with water or almond milk. And a banana. No, no, with nothing added. Oh, I right. enjoy it. That's what I'm trying to say to oh, you. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> it gets the Matt Whitmore stamp of approval. <laughs> it must be good. Anyway. Last couple of things. If you want to increase secrete IGA, which is something I do a lot with clients when they come to me on a one-to-one level, uh, we've got uh, omega-3 fatty acids. You could do colostrum, which is uh, available as a supplement, and yeah. uh, colostrum chews, which I sometimes get people to have. That is a dairy protein. Or it's based yeah. on dairy, so yeah. it's kind of dependent uh, vitamin C and zinc, really important. Saccharomyces boulardii, which is, again, a beneficial yeast that often I recommend alongside probiotics. Um, bacillus spores, so this is there's a new probiotic called uh, Megaspore, and they do one called Megaspore and Restore Flora, and these are kind of spore-based. Um, I will get um, the researcher to talk through those a little bit more, um, but basically they've got kind of the different strains in that are believed to be beneficial when it comes to LPS and neutralising LPS. Uh, glutathione, master antioxidant glycine, which is uh, amino acid found in things like collagen and um, bone broth, and skin, like fish skin and chicken skin. Glutamine, everyone's heard of glutamine. This is also really important for the leaky gut. Since going into these last few sessions, I've got you back on glutamine, given that you're doing such intense training. Yeah. Um, so I've got you back on a good, decent seven of glutamine each day. And phosphatidylcholine, which is again, um, it's kind of a phospholipid, it's part of a cell. Cell membranes are really important generally, and it's in things like you know eggs and um, organ meats would be a good source, but some people 
benefit from supplementing again to kind of heal the gut. And lastly, just to kind of fix the gut barrier. So there's the, the, all the stuff we always mention, like the bone broth and uh, glutamine I've already said. Um, probiotics would be really important. Reducing the saturated fats. Definitely not having oxidized fats. So probably don't eat out. Or if you do eat out, go for something that's not going to be deep fried or, you know, you know, so things like soups and stews will be go better. Get a nice Turkish Salad, place. Sushi. Or Greek. Get, some, yeah. get something off the grill. And that, well, we, no. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I see what you mean. So no, there's no oil in the cooking, yeah. is what you're saying. No, but the fat would be pretty burnt from the grill. There's no winning with you, is there? <laughs> and then lastly, you could supplement with something called lactoferrin, which binds to the lipopolysaccharides in the lumen as well. So again, if you're listening to this going, ah, this sounds really like me, but I don't know what to do, then don't do this on your own. Work with a really good, reputable nutritional therapist who has you know proper 5R gut protocols and, and goes through everything from the nutrition, the lifestyle and the supplements and, and you're looking at kind of 8 to 12 weeks to, to you know do something. Obviously if you want to work with me then check out our website fitfood.com um, but don't try and just implement all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. I was notorious for doing this before I qualified like oh, I'll just go off and but, add all these things in and then wonder why I don't feel the benefit. Yeah, like you've got to do a little bit of uh, like groundwork first, haven't you? You definitely, know, like so definitely. you know, don't go rushing into these kind of things and you know, make sure you've done your bit first, just kind of like with your general day to day. And then if you have been, you know, if you've made some changes for quite some time and you're maybe not quite seeing or feeling the results that you would like, then you know, take the next step. But yeah. And again, I've got that history of the chronic you know, inflammatory diseases mm-hmm. and bowel diseases, this would definitely be where I would start with these different therapies and dietary, kind of complement the dietary with the probiotics and, and supporting the gut infrastructure. So there we go. And then, you know, hopefully, everything will be hunky-dory. I love that we're saying, hunky-dory. <laughs> I'll probably get a client questionnaire now that says, oh, step number one, just to be hunky-dory. Just want to be hunky-dory every day. <laughs> I'd love to know the history of that saying. Do you remember when I came across that article or that blog or whatever and, and, and explained a lot of yeah. sayings of where they came from? That was good. And it was so interesting because there are certain things that really and truly make no sense, but you just assume they were a saying, such as like... Can you remember any that you... Well, there was one that was uh, like, it's raining cats and dogs. What was that? Why was that? Mean? And that was because back in there, when obviously roofs weren't like they were now, it was all like thatched roofs and, and stuff like that. And cats and dogs and whatever used to kind of like go to get warm, used to go into the Thatch. into the roofs <laughs> yeah. of like the, the houses. Yeah. And if ever it rained really hard and it would kind of like almost like the, the, the rain would come through and things like cats and dogs would come through. <laughs> Same as like, like rats and mice and things like that. Oh, right. So that's where it comes from. It's raining cats and dogs. Uh, the other one, you know, it says don't throw the baby out. Don't throw your toys out the pram. No, don't throw the baby out with bath water. Have you heard that one? Oh, no. And that's that goes back to when, you know, when everyone used to go to pools to wash. Like, people didn't just have, like, you know, baths and showers, yeah. obviously. So you, people used to go to the pools to wash. The, the water would get that dirty that you wouldn't even necessarily be able to see what was in there. So the saying was, like, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bath water with a few of the water oh, so dirty right. and you're going to oh, go no. throw the... that's horrible. Yeah. But it's like there, there, were, there were more. Oh, right. um, I'm trying to think of them now. Um, oh, that was the other one. Uh, bringing home the bacon. 
Oh yeah, you would like yeah, you would want that. Bringing one. home the bacon yeah. was actually something to do with like a sign of wealth, like back in the day. In that, like if you had money, you yeah. could buy things like meat and and whatever. So if ever there was a special occasion or something, you get you have known people were coming round or whatever. You know, it was a sign of wealth. So it'd be like, oh, he's bringing home the bacon because he'd be bringing home meat right. for like a celebration or whatever. And again, but it was like a class thing because it could sh- show that you could afford it and you'd yeah. almost hang it up to be like, look, you know, like... It's funny that we've pork, got... pork is like the cheapest meat now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, bacon's cheap, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, the bacon, so it's only 79p in Tesco. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Proudly walking down but the yeah, street. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got those right. But yeah, hunky-dory. Look it up. I'm going to look that up. Next podcast. I'm going to Google that. Anywho. This is why you tune in. Right, guys. So, um, I hope you enjoyed Keris's uh, brain dump yet again. Um, episode 95, we'll be talking about me. It's all about me, episode 95. And we'll be talking about my boxing journey uh, not long away now and kind of like how I've adapted things with nutrition and whatnot. And how I have been looking after one's gut health, you know, yeah. especially now I've been placing a greater strain on my body through intense training, more frequent training, etc. And Keris has been keeping me in check on that front she's been in my corner um uh but yeah guys hopefully you found some value in this we do we go off on tangents keris and i but it's what we do it's our thing it's us can't change it's got to take us as we are uh but we will see you over in the next episode guys as always any questions whatsoever please 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 reach out get in touch we'll do our best to help you but wherever you are whatever you're doing have an awesome day night weekend holiday whatevs just enjoy yourselves and we'll see you in episode 95 Stay hunky-dory. Stay hunky-dory, peeps. Bye. Players. <laughs>